Hello, and welcome to this edition of, uh, I don't know, we did, what wasn't that failed show that we tried to put up on this called Crash the Boards, Aramis, maybe, we, may, maybe you still have, maybe you still have, maybe you still have the image, and maybe I'll, maybe I'll put that up as the image, but welcome to this very rare basketball edition of the Unzoned Podcast, uh, where I am here just to mediate, uh, but the NFL player, uh, pardon me, let's see, that's forced to happen. First misstep of this podcast. Mm-mm. The NBA Mm-mm. playoffs are about to start. And so, of course, I brought my great friends here to chat about the NBA playoffs. As always, Aramis Hicks, a man who I've forced to do many a podcast and uh, who continues to do them when I give him like less than eight hours heads up notice. So, thank you for being here. Aramis, how are you doing today? Uh, mid. That's about all I know. Um, I was doing like stuff. I was sleeping. I was having a good day, and then I got a call from some weirdo talking about, "Hey, talk about basketball for a little bit." I'm like, "Okay, why not? I don't got nothing better to do in my life. It's not like I have things to do, passes to cl- classes to pass, anything like that. I'm just so you're back and call about everything that you want to talk about." Yeah, <laughs> I mean that that pretty much describes it. Uh, Join me, Audrey Nations, great friend of the podcast, been on. Once or twice, maybe like years ago, but it's been, been a, while. a minute. Audrey, welcome back. And Tori, whose last name I don't know, and maybe I won't start. Maybe I just doxed everyone on this podcast. <laughs> uh, I, I, I guess I should have asked for consent for full names first. Privacy is overrated. That, that was a mistake by me. But uh, Tori and Audrey, welcome to the show. Hailing from Seattle. That's right. Thank you. A team without or a city without an NBA team. So I'm extremely qualified to talk about the NBA. Yeah, give it a few more years. That's right. Yeah. Mark, mark my thunder. words. Sonic. Sonic. I still hate the Thunder. I, Me too. No, no. <laughs> well, there's, some, there's some shared DNA there. All right. So just a ramble horn. Aramis, of course, uh, a floating NBA fan, but uh, likes the Jazz. I like the Jazz. Uh, Who doesn't? Audrey like jazz. is a Jazz. Suns Spurs fan. Fantastic yeah. combo that starts no arguments. Yes. And uh Tori, a Suns fan. So this is gonna be, I feel like it's gonna lean Western Conference, even though I'm personally more interested in the Eastern Conference. It's all right. I got I got knowledge on both sides. So uh the NBA season is finishing up right now. Jazz are playing a total of nobody, but they'll start in the playoffs uh tonight. And the NBA season, as I like to always say, is pointless. Uh, <laughs> really is pointless. Like, you could totally get rid of the regular season and just, like, pick the eight most popular teams by, like, fan vote, and you'd still have as good of a playoff. I well, oh, I don't know about facts. that. How dare, how dare we, like, just watch John Moran drop 50 on everybody? Like, oh, whatever, yeah. it don't matter to the playoff. Uh, sh- shut I'm up. just saying. I Remember. I can't that, be I can't be forced to watch 82 games of basketball. That's that because you're a jazz logic, fan. That's true. That train of logic is how we got Andrew Wiggins as an all-star starter this year. I'm not like yes. I don't trust the fans with anything. No, it would be it'd be Lakers Knicks in the finals if it was a fan vote. And I don't want anything to do with that. Uh-uh. Yeah, the Suns are number one seed, but if you asked for fans to choose just their favorite teams, the Suns wouldn't even make it to the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible idea. 
I don't think there's that many Knicks fans. I think it's just Stephen A. Smith talks so much and yeah. has so many burner accounts that that's just what that is. But yeah, no, <laughs> I mean, I do no. I do see the sentiment though of making the the season matter more, uh, either by shortening it or adding. I know there's been talks about adding a midseason tournament uh, in like the December January time frame before the All Star break to kind of generate interest and do like a like a March Madness style like. 30 team tournament where it just runs it all down and for, uh, for cash prizes for the players. So I think that's interesting incentive. Um, I mean, and, and the play in tournament itself, it was an effort to make the regular season matter more, right? Like these last couple weeks, there's all these teams like the Spurs, the Pelicans, you know, that, that might've been, you know, at this point of the season uh, before the play in tournament, you know, like teams like the Hornets and maybe the Hawks, the Cavs might be wrapping it up, might be packing it up and saying, you know what, we're out, we're eliminated from the playoffs. There's no point in trying. Let's rest everybody and move on. But now you have these teams that can fight for that 10th seed spot, that 9th seed spot. And, yeah, maybe if they don't have a playoff uh, series win in them, just the ability to get to that tournament and even just be in that game, I think, takes a lot of pressures off uh, head coaches and, and front offices to deliver seasons. And I think, honestly, that might have a – I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this. might have a ramification uh, to – jump to players jumping from team to team so fast, you know, maybe the play in tournaments, a way to get some proven success, maybe a little bit faster in a rebuild and helps retain some players. What do you think about that? The plane. I like the I, I like the idea of the plane. I thought it was exci- last year. It was very exciting. I mean, at least like I was all in and I'm pretty sure everybody here was all in for the oh, Lakers yeah. golden state game. That was, that was, um, that created that was awesome. a memory. And, um, I really do think that this year it'll be some entertaining game, especially the Brooklyn Cleveland one. That's gonna mm-hmm. be coming up. I'm yeah. excited about that one. That'll be awesome. Oh, man. If the if Brooklyn blows blows that one, ooh, if Brooklyn blows that, you guys, that's gonna be that's gonna be so bad. But it's definitely gonna turn the conversation towards Kyrie even more than it already is. And I think the other wild card factor too about Brooklyn is uh assuming they even they do make it past the Cavs game and they get into a first round series. Ben Simmons, uh, obviously a very dramatic figure around the league, is expected to return now. We're hearing reports in the first round of the playoffs. What does a Ben Simmons who hasn't played in over a year look like? What is his mentality like? What is he going to be able to bring to the table and actually meaningfully contribute to this to the Nets team to, to, to get them past even the first round, even into the first round, if he's able to get back that fast? So currently in the two seed is Milwaukee Bucks. They'd have to square up immediately with the Bucks, um, and I think that is if Ben Simmons. I was thinking about this earlier about Ben Simmons specifically coming back. Um, that is, it's going to be bad, I think, for the Nets as a whole, uh, unless he's going to be ready for in-game shape against one of the players who was always going at 120 percent in the league. Like he's mm-hmm. going to be a target. Like I remember, them, I remember people talking about how they want to guard the Nets. Like, oh, just let Katie and um. Kyrie score and like if you have somebody who's not really going to be able to be a threat on offense and who was kind of pouting about that I guess all season like that's just gonna I think make it rough I think ramping in from not playing to playing NBA takes time to adjust and I think ramping up from not playing anything to playing playoffs is you're asking to get bounced in the playoffs oh absolutely yeah you're asking a lot yeah, I mean, there's no there's no level of conditioning and no level of exercise you can do off the court that prepares you for an NBA game, you know, and the not just the physicality of it, but the the intensity and the high stakes, and especially for a team with, I mean, the Nets, you know, they have they have a lot of playoff experience across the board, even in their role players and you know Patty Mills and, and guys like that, Blake Griffin, mm-hmm. but 
I mean, like they, you know, like it's it's gonna be gonna be a rough start for Ben Simmons. I think it's a it's a pretty bad time to come back, you know, as as I'm glad he was able to rehab, I guess, the the injury that he had coming back. But I mean, just from the kind of injuries and the and the amount of time it's taken to ramp up, it seems like he didn't stay in game shape or even close to playing shape with the amount of months they've taken to to ramp this guy up, like you can't tell me that he was working out that whole time. And that's got to be really concerning for Steve Nash and the Nets. Like, is this guy dialed in? Is this guy really, does he really care about basketball? Like that's, that's gotta be the question going through everyone's minds from both the Sixers and the Nets organizations that have dealt with him so far. He probably did some really good sell job to the neck to the Nets about how he is ready. How He just needed to change the scenery, all that stuff. And it's all, it feels like we're just piling on and being mean about to him at this point, but he has not proven that he's ready for any of this. He hasn't proven it by coming back to play any games. I mean, he's kind of brought, he's definitely brought it on himself and playing, <laughs> playing the bucks in the first round. Like <laughs> it, it's one, you know, it's one thing to, you know, to have to have the confidence issue and, and lots of guys will go through that as well. But just his attitude, it, it, it was very reminiscent to me. And, you know, there's something personal as well as a Spurs fan when Kawhi Leonard left. Like it wasn't even necessarily like obviously it's devastating for a team like that to lose who was functionally a top five player in the league when he's healthy. But just the way both of these guys went about it, not showing up for their team, not showing up to practice, not being courtside for games. I think that really has an impact on your on the perception of you and. Honestly, if the Nets didn't have that urgency uh, with James Harden wanting out, I don't know if they're able to really move Simmons for someone of that caliber. I think I think the Sixers organization got incredibly lucky and they won that trade by a million miles. So, Audrey, would you classify Kawhi Leonard as quit Leonard? As, uh, did he quit on the Spurs? Yeah, I think he definitely co-wit for sure. Uh, <laughs> I'm telling you. See, this man, no, this man no, right here. No. This man right here. Mm -mm. I think you could definitely call him co-wit Levert uh, at this point. Uh, like, uh, I'd say like, co-wit. Like he quit on the Spurs, Aramis. It's time to just admit Oh, absolutely. It. Like, yeah, there's all no right, there's no, right. no doubt in my mind about that he quit on the Spurs. Yeah, I don't have – he he quit. He left. He peaced out. You want well, an L.A.? I don't know. We'll fight a wonder about the injuries and all that stuff. But, like, on like – if you're that disconnected from your team, I get why you'll be mad. I'm not mad about about Audrey being mad at the clip uh, about uh, Kawhi dipping. I'm mad at you for stealing <laughs> everything that she said and blabbering it to me every time we'd have a talk about him. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. What? I love that What's you're. Up? I love that I've, I've informed Eric's takes. He's not wrong. Like Kawhi absolutely stops communicating with the team. Stop communicating with the medical staff of the Spurs. You know, it was a serious injury that was complicated and required a lot of recovery that the Spurs were more than willing to give to him, clearly. They were flying Pop and Timmy out to New York and L.A. and wherever he was playing, you know, playing freeze tag with Kawhi trying to find him across the country. And it's Kawhi just completely ghosted. And then he, you know, he eventually got what he wanted and he ended up in L.A. And I think he's definitely not the first to do to force that kind of trade, but it definitely seems to be more and more common you know, in, in the modern NBA, just with the, the prevalence and the, the amount of money you can make on brand deals being in a big market, the amount of exposure with national TV games. And again, I think that's where a longer regular season hurts teams, less opportunities to be on TV for these smaller market teams. And so why is a star going to sit on the Pacers when he could be on, you know, the Clippers and like, it, it just, it ends up, you know, being like that. And that's, that's one of the unfortunate, I think, parts of the league that, that they got to figure out in one way or another. No, no, a team that's going through that, currently speaking, um, of course, the New Orleans Pelicans. But I think that's more on totally. the league deciding to put 
these marquee these marquee players. I'm gonna want to put that there because like a lot of these teams were supposed to be super teams, especially recently. Like ever since KD left Golden State, it feels like the super teams have kind of really disappointed in the NBA. All the people that we thought were gonna be greats, and I mean the Clippers, it's our town now, and all that marketing that they did, all that craziness. Um, kaput, nothing, gone. P- got yeah. pieced out. It's out. After they had it, after they had it won. And then the same thing with the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, that fell apart so fast. It's, it's yeah. crazy. I mean, we could have a whole, we could, we could talk for hours and hours about all the in, incredibly complicated. And there's, you know, we know probably 1% of all the stuff that happened. I would, I would pay a million dollars to be a fly on the wall in the Brooklyn Nets locker room during some of those games. I, I, I you, you can't possibly imagine a scenario in which teammates wouldn't be, incredibly frustrated that Kyrie is a part-time player both from his perspective that he is too selfish you know to get vaccinated and just play games and from the organization allowing him to be a part-time player for that long and giving in to to what is pretty much a kid throwing a temper tantrum at this point and I mean with all that drama internally on top of you know the I, I think the I think Harden's got a chip on his shoulder at this point in his career I think he's got a lot to prove and he needs to, he needs to get himself a ring and he can feel that pressure. And uh, I think he saw that window with the, with the Sixers and, and saw that honestly Brooklyn was kind of on fire and took his chance to get out of there. And there's also speculative reports that he wanted to be on the Sixers in the first place to go play with Maury. And, and again, we'll never know. We'll never, ever know what happened until James retires and drops a tell all or something. And then we'll be back here talking about it again. <laughs> So, Audrey, I'm not going to lie. I would actually disagree with you on one specific point. Um, okay. Of course, like, Kyrie doing that stuff is very selfish. But I think the way he kind of handled himself with his teammates, like, at least to them, they'll be like, okay, well, now that he's back, we'll be geared up and ready to go. So, like, that, that is going to take a hit. And, of course, that's going to cost them in the playoffs for him not being there and them being this yeah. womp, wonky team. But, like, uh, man, I don't know about – I don't know about James Harden. I don't know about James Harden going over there and – Playing, yeah. it's been it's been kind of it's been kind of lackluster him showing up and being there and Definitely. I mean he I got mean, what he wanted but is totally. he gonna peace out as soon as I don't know if they flame out in the playoffs he could be gone like he could oh, be absolutely. off the team next he's year. not yeah he's not beholden to that team I mean I think at this point you got to do some of the mental math on like all right well at this point like where else are you gonna go where you're gonna get a better pairing and a duo than Joel Embiid for his play style. And I think, I mean, honestly, he's definitely been struggling so far. Harden has individually, and I think, I think that's the consequence. I think, no matter how great the player is, if you get if you get yourself onto a team midway, most of the way through the season, it's it's going to be tough to acclimate to a new system, a new environment. Doc Rivers is a famously tough coach to play for, uh, and Steve. I mean, go, to go from Steve Nash and a first year coach to Doc Rivers, it's got to be one hell of a trip. And I can't imagine uh, that they have very similar coaching styles or or even team cultures so yeah it's I, I cannot wait for these playoffs because this is going to answer so many questions and and start so many more <laughs> nba is the greatest the greatest soap opera on tv it's the greatest drama so, ever written. so, so no I guess doubt about that my my question here i want to get tori a little bit yeah. more involved sure. so tori do you mean to tell <laughs> me a, a casual I'll be quiet. I'm sorry. You need to mute yourself when you're talking. Oh, okay, got you, got you, Aramis. Man, no, you never know. Oh, come on, mute, mute yourself, Aramis. Mute while you're talking. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, you can never say that this is a professional podcast. It's just 
This is a down to earth podcast. It's it's just this is a down to earth podcast. It is... It's real people making real content. Yeah, it is with real this is what editing's for mm-hmm. to make it faker. Indeed, or flawless. Yeah, your question for Tori though. <laughs> yes. Uh, so you mean to so to me the playoffs are ultimately about killers, like players that just get out on the floor and you're like, oh yeah. That guy's a killer. Like, he's going to come out. He's going to play. He's going to hit all his baskets in the clutch. He's going to play good basketball. You're telling me a team with two killers, KD and Kyrie, isn't going to give the Bucs some real problems in the first round, especially this, this series went seven last time. Like, I just feel like anybody thinking that the Bucs are going to make short work of the Nets is just like – I don't I, I feel like they've forgotten that series last year. Like the Nets are a better team now, too. They're they've got Seth Curry, they've got some depth. I, I just feel oh, like man. I just feel like the Nets are, are a team that are going to get out of the first round. Yeah, I think that I think it is gonna be a good game. I think the good Nets series, really. Yeah, really good series. I do love Seth Curry. I think Seth Curry is very underrated. I think he's such a good little side yeah. player. I mean, I I'm think... a huge Seth Curry fan, but also at the same time, Giannis is so goddamn scary, like, especially during playoffs. Yeah, it's true. I mean, he's a killer. It's to Eric's point. He's a he's killer. Terrifying. So which killer matters more? And and I think, you know, having killers is only half the story. I mean, like, to your point, Tori. A big the... part is, like, the side people. Like, yeah, be, like, death. a Seth Curry on the net. Totally. And I think, like, most of the players on the Bucks are kind of side people with like the Giannis big leading mm-hmm. yeah so that's the question is like it's you know like the is it going to be the team that has depth and role players uh you know or the one or the more or is it going to be focused more on the stars uh I, I think that's why the Phoenix Suns have had so much success this year and they're not necessarily like Devin Booker is a you know generational talent CP3 is the first ballot hall of famer DeAndre Ayton is going to be a future hall of famer it's but at the same time none of those guys are really, really seriously in the MVP conversation, even though they're leading the best team in the league that right now is, you know, right now they're sitting at how many 64 wins right now, but they don't really have a front runner in the MVP conversation. And I think that's, that's because that that speaks so well to their ability to be so deep. They have the next man up mentality. They got scrappy players like campaign. They don't have just like one star and everybody else is just kind of there to support the star. Like they're all, pretty supportive right. of each and other. I think the Nets have definitely gotten a lot better in that category they've gotten a lot better of, of as Charles Barkley says the others they've gotten a lot better others and yeah. I, I think it's just going to be for them about team chemistry and cohesion they got a lot of guys that can play individually they also got a lot of guys that don't have a lot of games played together Kyrie and KD still haven't played that many games together on the floor Ben Simmons has yet to come back and he's supposed to be kind of the third all-star piece to that that squad so I think the Nets are a pure wild card and I think that's why Eric the uh, more people might be taking the Bucks over the Nets because the Bucks are a lot more proven. They didn't really change a whole lot from last year's roster. They maybe got a little bit better, a little bit worse, depending on you know your opinion on on their role players and yeah, Drew Holiday. Totally, but like the you know what Nets to are from them. the Nets are a wild card. All right. So Audrey, I have a question for you. Um, how long how long have you been friends with Eric? How long have you known him? I've known Eric since we were. God, probably 12 years old. <laughs> have you have you noticed how manipulative he can be? Oh, and whatnot? Because I know, no, 
he mm-hmm. knows exactly what he did this for. He knows why he did this little pop phrasing that he did with the Nets coming up and they're two killers, the two basketball players. They're hoopers. Giannis is not a hooper. KD and Kyrie are hoopers. <laughs> I hate you. First That's of all, I, like, I manipulated uh, Eric into oh, everything he knows about manipulation. So, <laughs> so it's your so it's your fault. It's your fault. <laughs> so I've had this thing where he no, because he but he specifically did this to bug me about this one point. Um, he knows I have this. Uh, so everybody brings up how close the series it was. It was a very close series. Uh-huh. If the Nets were right, um, they they probably should have beat Milwaukee last year with their three All Stars. Um. But the problem is that um, so we can all agree Kevin Durant has a million ways to score on you, has yeah. a million ways to do his thing and um, dominate a game. Well, there were five specific minutes that nobody likes to talk about in that game um, that he wasn't able to score at all when they really needed him to. Um, I can't I can't deal with I, I really I've. So to my core, like you hate Kawhi Leonard. I hate every time somebody brings up he was a big tall way from winning the NBA championship. That's like, but he didn't. <laughs> yep. It's not, it's not just that he, it's not just that he didn't, it's that there was an overtime period where he didn't score. And Giannis, the guy who doesn't have a bag, who doesn't know how to shoot, who doesn't know how to do no fancy offense, he did. There was only one bucket, I think, scored in that um, overtime period. And it was by the guy who can't score. So I, I, I completely disagree with the When have I that. ever said in my yeah. entire life that Giannis cannot score? It's not you. It's just idiots on Twitter like you that no. like to bring up weird <laughs> um, arguments about yeah, – No, uh, about you make a valid point, though. No. Yeah. Who they, is, they, who they is saying Giannis can't score? Nobody watch, is saying that. Do you watch ESPN? No, but I mean, nobody is saying Giannis think, cannot. Score. If you, Come I, I bet, bet money, go look up people who talk about him. Have that he's not. You're right. They're not saying that he can't score. They're saying that he. They're saying stuff like he's not clutch. He doesn't have a arsenal like Kevin Durant. He doesn't have yeah. these things. And like they're for, for the most part, they're generally right. But the problem is, in the time that we were supposed to see that, when it mattered the most. In a game seven overtime, Giannis was able to pull through. Mm-hmm. Giannis was, and KD wasn't. And people, like ever since then, like still talk about oh, KD. He can do this, man. Once you get him in, it's like it's a whole like. Unfortunately, it's a team game, and I think the Bucks have a better team. That's that's kind of all that I get from it. Their team Absolutely. is a lot more solid and stable, and like proven to be like solid and stable. Like- yeah. Well, and I mean. And to that point, I think I think the criticism, Eric, that that we're talking about here is uh, the the versatility. What makes Kevin Durant one of the greatest players we've ever seen play this game is his versatility and his ability to score from anywhere on the floor. And I think that is one thing that when it comes down to the playoffs, where Aramis is talking about, when it comes down to those clutch moments, uh, people tend to over rely on the fact that you can hit a shot from anywhere um, to mean that you can you can win any situation. Uh, but I think it takes a great player to really respond to that. And and Giannis definitely had a weakness in jump shooting. Uh, you know, his mid-range game last year was all right. His, uh, his three-point game was, you know, pretty much just like for fun. Every once in a while, he would take a three. And now he's hitting them more consistently. And I think that's a sign of a great player and a generational talent is someone who could take that criticism and improve different aspects of their game. That's what Tim Duncan did at the free throw line. That's what Michael Jordan did at the three-point line. And I think rounding out that game – hearing that criticism and responding to it by working individually 
I mean, in this season, I'm, I'm pulling up Giannis's, uh, you know, three-point shooting percentage, but, like, it's just steadily going up. The man is just taking more and making more every game and getting more confident with it, and I think that's that's what's going to make him one of the, you know, great players, and I think that's that's the kind of mentality. I think that's where that killer mentality, that clutch mentality, the commitment to focus on what you're bad on and make it better is what's going to carry what's going to carry Giannis through his career. Now, this is where Aramis has done some manipulation of his own because <laughs> I have long said that Giannis is the best player in the NBA. Have I not, Aramis? Have we not gone back and forth constantly about how I think Le- LeBron is not the best player in the NBA? It is Giannis Antetokounmpo. Right now, and, and now, very- now you're just bringing this up and you're saying, Eric, just because you believe in Kyrie and Katie, you don't like Giannis. I do like Giannis. That's a misconception that you're throwing out there. I just think that I just think that Kyrie, especially with the way he's playing right now, is almost unstoppable offensively. And I think Kevin Durant is a nice piece to go with an unstoppable offensive force. I, you switched those two names around, but okay. No, um, I, 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 I legitimately feel I, I legitimately feel that Kyrie is playing better than Kevin Durant right now. Like when he get when he's able to play, yeah. I mean, like what happens when they hit that that first or second round series against the Raptors? Like that's that's the kind of stuff that's going to derail the whole season. I, th- I yeah. think that I think that takes away from the mentality. I think you can switch those around. I think I think Kevin Durant is an incredible scorer that is accented by Kyrie's the distribution, ball handling, and, and playmaking. Um, I, I think I think the Nets have a lot to prove. The Nets have a lot to prove, even though Kyrie and Katie both have rings already. And I guess Giannis does too, but KD and Kyrie both have rings already. It still feels like they're trying to prove that. It still feels like they're trying to prove that they're that they're good. At least this Nets team is still trying to prove it with all the changes and the bumps and up and downs. I think Kyrie hasn't yeah. been a consistent dominating force in this league since 2016. I don't think he's shown that he's he's the level of star that can bring a team higher in the playoffs. He couldn't do it with the Celtics. I, I don't I don't see him. I, I don't see him making that much of a difference. And frankly, if they get bounced early, um, I can see him leaving too. I, I it really just it doesn't seem like he has the the commitment or the uh, or the or the focus to, but it's to see scoring, it through. But can't drag that team to the top. Yeah, it's like not what he's designed to do. He's just not that kind of star. And that's why mm-hmm. I mean, and and to your point about the, who's the best player in the world, I, I agree with you. I think Giannis is the best player in the league right now. I think he's the best player in the world right now. I think LeBron absolutely held that title for a most of his career up until the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, and it's not a slight at all to LeBron to say that he's fallen off that pedestal. That's what happens. He's, just yeah, I think that, that's, a, if anything, that's a testament to the greatness he's of LeBron so James good. that we can still argue that he's one of the best players in the league right now at, you know, in his late thirties. Um, but I, I think right now it's Giannis is the undisputed, you know, best player in the league. I mean, he's, he's, he's a freak. And he's great. Uh. <laughs> no, no doubt about that. I guess to defend myself a little bit, I never said you said that, did I? No. Oh, I don't remember. <laughs> did I ever? No, no, Eric. Did I? I never said that you made that argument. I know you're a gigantic Giannis fan. I just I think know. the Nets had their chance to prove that they were what everybody said they were, and they didn't. And the Bucks had a chance to prove everybody like the same a redemption thing. exists. I, well, I mean, and this isn't the same Nets team as last year. I don't think mm-mm. they've missed their only shot. I think. I think this iteration's of the team's shot is this playoff series. Oh, I think, so, I think that's the new shot. 
So that's my bad. I don't I don't mean to say it like that they'll never do it again. And of course, like there there is options for redemption. I'm talking about in that one moment. I'm only talking about that specific playoff series, that specific game, and all the hubbub around it. I never meant to infer that you were doing that. My bad. But so like now this this year this game is going to be amazing. This series should be amazing. It should be uh, I don't know probably going to seven again. The both teams got so much firepower, but I'm. I don't know, man. I'm biased. This is definitely what I'm biased on. I want Giannis and the Bucks to win, so that's what I'm going with. And I want them to beat their biggest rival in what seems to be the Nets. This is, man, going to be like... I'm in agreement with you on that. I'd much rather see the Bucks go on than the Nets. I'm not a big fan of uh, Kyrie, personally. I'm not a big fan of their their org. I don't... Like, I, I love... Patty Mills and Seth Curry, uh, but those are that love isn't passionate enough to care more than uh, more than I, I appreciate Giannis and want him to. I honestly, I want a Suns Bucks rematch. I, I want it again. Yes, that would be fucking awesome again. That yeah. would be awesome. Y'all ready to get finals tickets? Ain't you? Shoot. Yeah, well, we're trying. I mean, you can afford it. Well, yeah, <laughs> the, yeah, we'll head back down to Phoenix for it. It's worth it. But oh, yeah, we we, we probably have would have to. Yeah, It'd be expensive. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, no, I think I think no matter what, we all NBA fans, casual or otherwise, are, are in for a great treat with these playoff series. I don't see a bad matchup in the whole slate. Um, I, I know we we still have some games that are settling out right now, but I think we have a good idea of what the what the playoffs are going to look like. And I don't I don't see a sleeper matchup in the entire slate. Yeah, so we've started in the East, so let's kind of stick there. I just wanted to quickly get everybody's opinion, and and again, I need to do a better job hosting. Tori, I want to start with you because I I do want to, you know, there are so many dominant kind of voices here. I really want to get you in the mix here. Do you think that it's that simple that Brooklyn's just going to advance to that, you know, series against, A, they'd have to beat Boston to get to Milwaukee, and B, they'd have to beat Cleveland to get to Boston. Let's start just briefly with Cleveland, and then we can kind of go around the horn. Where, where do you, where do you think, where do you see Cleveland in this whole situation? Have you tracked them much this year? I know only a few players on their team. I'm not a super huge NBA fan either. So if not, we can kind of move on. But I just want to make sure we get you more involved here. Honestly, the. Cleveland just, just, they just don't stand out as much. And the Nets, like at one point, like this season were like doing pretty decent and they have like, I feel like they have a lot more potential to at least beat Cleveland. I mean, especially with Kyrie back, like the, this last little bit and this trade that happened where they got, you know, Seth Curry and uh, Patty Mills. I think that Padding the Cleveland rotation. doesn't really stand that much of a chance against the Nets. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's going to be a pretty easy series. Maybe a little exciting. Maybe not four and zero, but yeah, well, no, I think well, it's going to be pretty easy. That will be the playing game. So that'll be just yeah, the single. The play. Yeah, which oh, is just, just one, one game. Right, yeah. right. Which yeah, honestly, I think is makes it worse for the Cavs. I think in a seven-game series, they might right. have a chance, but I mean, the playoff inexperience is going to come through with one game. One shot, you know, like it's it's going to come down to depth and in playoff experience and settling those nerves, and yeah. it's going to be one hell of a game for those young guys on on Cleveland to go in to go in yeah. there and, and try to square up against what should like be a super KD, team. Like so, genuinely would be so scary to go against. Physically imposing. Physically imposing. <laughs> but then, 
what you were saying about the Celtics, I think that's going to be a lot, lot, lot harder. Mm -hmm. Um, The Celtics have been doing really good. We saw them in Boston against the Suns. And honestly, like watching them play, they like, they just, you could just feel like they're, passion and excitement like they just really wanted to win and play basketball versus like i don't know the nets kind of like what y'all have been saying it feels like they just have like kind of something to prove but not really i don't know they just don't feel like as like ready for this as the celtics are yeah and celtics are locked in when we went to that game on new year's eve we were unknowingly watching the first of a of a huge second half of the season for boston they underperformed in the first half Yeah, from there, from there, they've had. Yeah, they've been on an up. Oh yeah, since since January, they they've them in the East and uh, Memphis in the West have have both been on crazy tears since New Year's. To to me, so to me, I know there are a lot of big contenders in the Eastern Conference, but like to me, I watch Boston and I I see like if I had to handicap just like title favorites. To me, Boston is that team because they play yeah. they play incredibly hard defense. Like yeah. they, they're just very connected as a defensive unit. And again, it, you know, we talk about killers. You know, Jason Tatum is that guy. Oh, so good. He has been that guy for a while now. And Jalen Brown has kind of slowly become that guy as well. Yeah. And I, I just feel like to me, the Celtics, even after and this is where this podcast is really hard for me because I know it just sounded like I was pounding the table super hard for the Nets, but realistically, I don't think there's a way the Nets get past the Boston Celtics. I think the Boston no. Celtics are just like a really solid NBA game team that play really mm-hmm. good yeah. defense, that have a ton of side guys, that have two pretty good star guys that can kind of push them along. And that are generally just going to be a tough out throughout the playoffs. And I think my my hottest take is that basically every series in the first round in the East is going to go at least six. Like, I just, I feel very I say at least five. I think at least five. I think there's a couple that are going to be like. A I, lot easier. I, I just feel that I just feel very strongly that if Brooke, Brooklyn and Cleveland, especially, they are going to win two games at least. And I could definitely yeah, see it's going to be a good series. Char- Charlotte, probably not. But I mean, Trey Young, we forget what Trey Young did in the playoffs last year. Like yeah. he was, he's really good. He was absolutely incredible. I feel like he could easily win two games against the Heat or whatever. I'm just, yeah, I, I, I really like this Celtics team. I think that mm-hmm. to me that that's they're kind of they and the Bucks are kind of where my heart lies as yeah. far as Eastern Conference kind of contenders. And I like Philly a lot too, but I, I think we should talk about Boston for a second. Absolutely. I, yeah, I mean, Boston's, you know, they're an incredible team. They got they got the guys all around, I think. Um and in, in you know, in a playoff series as well, one thing that comes into play a lot is home court advantage. In that stadium, those fans, those are passionate fans. And not only that, but specifically against the Nets, they have very recent and personal history with Kyrie Irving, who, for more casual fans who may not know, went to the Nets or went to the Celtics uh, in the hopes of that being his his next spot to get a title. 
and after one or maybe even two underwhelming seasons, uh, didn't go so hot and then forced his way out to the Nets. Uh, and that is not a fan base that likes to forgive and forget just about anything. I'm sure your fans are familiar with Pats fans, Red Sox fans, same people. They're like Philly fans. They don't forget anything. And I think this, I think this Nets team, and I think Kyrie specifically, and, and, and KD to some extent, but he's, you know, he's had more of an ability to to work past that recently. But I think they're very susceptible to that. I think they're very susceptible to to narratives uh, and to, you know, environments and emotions like that. And I, I genuinely think that is something that they have to take into consideration going in a series against the Celtics is the personal beef with Kyrie and then the general just taunting of Ben Simmons for being Ben Simmons at this point. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that, Aramis and Eric. So a quick question. Um, with both uh, Milwaukee and the Boston winning today, who is the second seed? I'm I, trying to, I thought it was going to be I keep Milwaukee. refreshing it. And on basketball reference, they split the season series. Yeah. So I think uh, right on NBA.com, it says they're the two, Boston's a two seed. On and like see, Google, I have it on. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was using on Google that it said that Milwaukee's a two seed. But right. they both, today, they both won. They both finished with the same amount of games. So that's the best thing. But getting back to the old, like bigger Celtics point of Boston, um, man. The Boston Celtics are a great uh, defensive team. I think um, that defense does take a big hit now that they're – that Robin um, – Yeah, Robert um, Williams. Robert Williams, yes. Time Lord. Time Lord's out. That's going to hurt them on the back end. But, man, I mm-hmm. mean – Really going to slow down gonna, their game. They're going to be a really tough team to play. Like, if it is going to be Brooklyn and them, I expect that game to go set – that to go seven. And um, I don't know. I don't have – to be honest with you, I don't got many thoughts on them. Uh, I like the team. I think they're fun. Um, I think they've kind of, of recent years, they've kind of been coasting on reputation. But this iteration, especially like in this last half of the year, they've really kind of come into their own. And that's mm-hmm. that's the most exciting thing, I think, with this team. So, I don't yeah. know. Let's go around and see who do you have if it is Boston versus um, uh, the Nets. Because I think. Easy. How many games, though? Oh, how many? I think six. Maybe Ooh. maybe seven, but I think it's going to be six. I think Boston is going – I think it's going to be – there's going to be a couple games or at least a game that the Nets win. Yeah. But honestly, I think the games are going to be really, really close, but I think the Celtics are going to pull out in the end every yeah. single time. I think they're way better all around. They're just like a, like a solid all-around team versus – Here's our stars and uh, some other guys. Yeah. And guys that have barely played because they've been sick or haven't gotten COVID shots. Yeah. I think, uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I think I'm going to say uh, Celtics in seven, although it's a very, it's a tough one. I think Boston having the home court advantage and Ben Simmons. M- making his return during the series is going to be that that factor that pushes it in Boston's favor. Oh, and also one one sick COVID cough from a passionate Boston fan and wipes Kyrie out. <laughs> oh, they, would, they would do it, too. They're <laughs> yeah, they're, yes. they're they would do it, too. Boston yes. fans are insane. That's what yeah. we need more horrible yeah, NBA little... fans. <laughs> right, yeah, more terrible NBA fans. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, I think it's it's you know just like every year with the NBA is dependent on so many factors and so many guys being healthy and you know just it's 
we'll see. Seven games is a lot of time to prove it, right? I definitely think mm-hmm. that the the Nets are going to safely cruise back the cruise by the Cavs in the play-in, yeah. uh, just by virtue of playoff experience and just veteran, you know, veteran. star power, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, as much as I love, love, don't get me wrong, love these Cavs, love this team. I love all those young guys, Colin Sexton and, you know, the, the, what they've been able to do with Jared Allen. And I love the, a lot of these guys that landed on that team were either drafted or landed there in trades that they didn't really want to be a part of. And I think, I think it could have been so easy for them to have like a Sacramento King situation where you got players just kind of throwing up their hands, like whatever, I'm not going to re- like, why would I commit to this terrible team? I, I really admire those young guys and even the more experienced guys on Boston or in, on Cleveland and, and the, through the leadership of, of guys like Ricky Rubio, who helped them get to this seventh seed in the first place or this eighth seed in the first place. I do like Ricky Rubio. I think they have so much heart. And I, I really think next year around this time, we'll be having the conversation. They'll be sitting in the, in the five at the sixth seed. I really do, but we'll see. Uh, Cleveland is definitely hard. on the come up. Cleveland is yeah. definitely going to come up. I'm excited totally. about Evan Mobley and all the things that they're going to be Mobley. able to do together. Yeah. But yeah. I'm, I'm going to agree with you, Aubrey. I think the Celtics will, if it is them versus Brooklyn, after a hard-fought um, and buzzer-beating win for the oh, Brooklyn yeah, Nets mm-hmm. in the play. And um, I think that the Boston Celtics are going to take it. I think that they're tired of being called kind of the children and the kids. Like, um, they've been treated like that, that, that. Those two stars and Tatum and Brown have been taught like the – little kids for the longest time that's supposed to be good, but, oh, they're just not there yet. I think this year they really, as as far as motivations are concerned, they have a lot to prove, and I think that's where they're going to make their push. It's yeah. fantastic. I, I, yeah, and honestly, I think this, I think they've already done a ton to turn that that potential into real talent, and I think this is going to be about showing that on national level, that they're, they're you're, to your point, they're no longer this, like, budding star franchise but that they're serious contenders and I, I think they I think they can make it as deep as anybody else in these playoffs they're so strong in the second half they made great additions uh they they took on Derek White uh for and were able to do that with only getting rid of Josh Richardson and Romeo Langford I think that was a huge upgrade for them I think my Spurs got a little bit fleeced on that one Derek adds some great <laughs> shooting from depth some good spacing on the floor I think I think that trade is just going to keep bringing momentum as he as he gets more familiar with the organization and with with Udoka's coaching style Finally, what about you Eric who's 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 taking the series oh to me me I, I like I said I like Boston a lot I, I think yeah. that they are of a team to pick here so wrapping up the east coast conference here a little bit I just need to ask because I always need to ask so I guess like Pascal Siakam just like took over the second half of the season because I thought <laughs> Toronto was god awful. Like I uh, did too. They were they were doing. I think so Toronto bad. thought Toronto was going to be god awful, <laughs> yeah. but like suddenly they're the five seed, almost forty nine wins. Like yeah, yeah. I feel like every time I'd look at the standings, I'd be like the Raptors. Like, like really? <laughs> like yeah. What? So what exactly happened there? Like uh, you know what? Like I, I don't even know. Full, yeah, full disclosure. Like they they really surprised me and came out of nowhere. I mean, after they uh, their last year in or their last two years in in Tampa um, and just doing so horribly. I mean, they 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 were like 14th yeah. place last year in Tampa, and and a lot of that I think was the you know the environment. And it, it sucks to you know mm-hmm. play home games somewhere so far away, and, and their all their home yeah. games were full of opposing fans because who's a Raptors fan in Tampa Bay, Florida? But. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny. I, I think the the Raptors being in Tampa 
worked for that city the exact opposite as if you guys remember before what what led the Oklahoma City to be able to take an NBA team in the first place was when Hurricane Katrina hit New Orleans and they were able to host the uh I guess were they the Bobcats at the time whatever they, they, oh, Bobcats, no, Hornets, Hornets. The New Orleans no it was still New Orleans the Hornets yeah the yeah they had, Hornets. they had the Pelicans yeah yeah and they were able to host them host New Orleans team and and those fans really showed up for the team. Granted, the emotional component, you know, of Katrina, people wanted to root for the city and the team. But Still. I think everything that Oklahoma City did that eventually got them an NBA franchise, Tampa did the opposite of. That will ensure that they will never get an NBA franchise. But that's 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 a side conversation, I suppose. But that's just Tampa. But yeah, the Raptors have been mm-hmm. a, a great second half, uh, second half addition. I, I think Pascal Siakam is is proven that he's worth you know worth the money that he's got in his salary. Uh, I think mm-hmm. there there was definitely coming into the season there was worries that they might have overpaid him. You know he's making thirty three million dollars this year, thirty five the next, and thirty seven after that. I think honestly he's proving that he can be he can be the star of a team or at least be a a serious critical component of of a championship roster. He's uh yeah. he's been great. He he, he gives me the uh, I, I think he gives the Raptors a lot of what Chris Middleton gives the Bucks, but with an increased playmaking ability on top of that, which makes him just that 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 much better. I really like Pascal a lot. I get it. He- He's definitely been hooping, but out for the Raptors, I was more excited to kind of hear about the progression throughout the season about Scotty Barnes, kind of man. Oh, we love that Scotty. Dude, he's a dog. He's just defensively, I mean, yep. Draymond Green on crack. He's just so energetic <laughs> and excited yeah. to go out and make plays. But to answer your question, Eric, no idea. They're just Toronto. They do yeah. that. They just yeah, got this. crazy. They, they just suddenly were up there. <laughs> yeah. I, like I think that, in, which I might. It might be good for them in the long run if they're feeling mm-hmm. underrated, like in the playoffs, like their other teams might not expect them to be like. I, I still think, regardless, <laughs> even even with all that to be considered, I think I think Toronto's still the most desirable matchup for most of these teams in the playoffs, unless you're the Celtics or the Nets with the unvaccinated situation, because Jalen Brown is also at least rumored to be unvaccinated, and there was the couple. There was Matisse Tybul on the Sixers is also unvaccinated. <laughs> So, yeah, these guys are playing hot potato, trying not to get the Raptors, but I think every other team is trying to get the Raptors because I think they're artificially up at the 5C. I love Pascal. I love Scotty. They got a great future, but I think they are, of all of, of everybody in the playoffs, I think they're the most over overseeded team. I think I think they took advantage of a really, really close playoff picture in the East and, a, and the right run at the right time. Uh, but beyond that, I don't, I don't see them. I don't see the Raptors going to the ECF, or, let alone lifting a title. Mm-hmm. No, they're and the not fact that they're, they're not going to be. Yeah, and the fact that they're about to catch the Sixers, who are at the fourth seed, who I think are oh. lower than they should be, um, I, I think they're going to get clapped up by the Sixers. Unfortunately, I think that's going to be Sixers five games at the most. Um, I'm not going. I'm not going to lie. I think that's going to be a tighter series than it should be. I think. I, so. I think it's if, going to be fun. If Matisse really can't go to Toronto like that, then that's going to cause a problem. Um, mm-hmm. and the Raptors will take full advantage of that. But um, totally. Um, they should. I don't know. <laughs> As they I'm, should. I'm really worried about that James, the James Harden thing with them. I mean, mm-hmm. Lord, Lord knows I'm a huge Houston Rockets fan, seeing how much okay. they've blown up and exploded the last few years. So I hope yeah. that doesn't. I hope the 76ers don't go out like that. But man, yeah, but that's, hey, gonna, I mean, that's gonna be fun. Yeah, well, at least as a little consolation prize for your your Rockets loving heart, they've got some great future pieces. Oh man, I I could talk about that roster forever. Josh Christopher out of ASU, go Devils. Devils. We got Alperen Sangoon straight out of Turkey. These guys got oh, Kevin Porter Jr., who's admittedly a hot head and kind of a locker room nightmare, but a great guy on the court. It seems. Um, 
Out who Christian Wood. I had locker room nightmare. Great guy. Yeah, yeah. I, I know. I was like, wait a minute, not great guy. Locker room nightmare. Great basketball player. Uh, yeah, they got Christian Wood, who I think was one of the most underrated players in the league right now, who's who's definitely coming up. So big promising future for the Houston Rockets. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. So let's talk about the West Coast playoffs, Eric. Let's talk about the West. Well, West Coast best. There, there's one more team I, I slightly follow, the Chicago Bulls. I just wanted oh, to, yeah. to give them a shout out. They're like they're like the Bizarro Raptors, where like they, they started out really, <laughs> yeah. really good. And then just like Got the past month in. and a half has been a nightmare. Um, they've lost to like every good team in the East. But still, you know, I like Zach Levine. He's, he's a fun I, player to watch. Not sure he's a killer. So that, <laughs> like, like that, that's something that I very much have questions about there. But, yeah. you know, DeMar, DeMar is definitely a killer. And like very good at basketball this year and suddenly can shoot three-point shots. I know, a miracle, huh? And, like, Jonas Valanciunas, not not Vucevic, not Valanciunas, Vucevic, mm. very good center player. I like Colby White, always been – I'm always a fan of those UNC guys that come into the league. Um, I just, you know, I really – I don't see Chicago beating Milwaukee, but still – I think it'll be a fun series. Every game they played this year was super close. I think every game they will play in the playoffs will be super close. But I think so too. Wanted, wanted to shout out Chicago because, like, no one really expected them to do anything this year, and it's pretty impressive that they were the sixth seed. Yeah. Yeah. Good for them. Absolutely. No, I love the Bulls. I think they're they're really good. Honestly, I think it's I think the series comes down for them more than any other team, or maybe not any other team. Uh, cough, cough. The Denver Nuggets, but. It's about staying healthy for them. Uh, they've got Zach Levine, who's in and out with injuries. You know, he's in. He's got lingering knee problems. You got DeMar DeRozan, who's granted it's a non-serious injury, but he's got a strain right now heading into the end of the season. Um, you know, it's the Alex Caruso, obviously, with the broken wrist. Shout out Grayson Allen, mm-hmm. former Jazz <laughs> slash terrible person. Uh, you know, Lonzo's completely done. He's he's booked for the rest of the season. So I think a lot of the reason they had that early success is for these guys that aren't going to be there, unfortunately, in the playoff. Uh, so it's just going to be about how much, how healthy DeMar and Zach Levine can truly get for the playoffs and if that's going to be enough to offset the loss of Lonzo and Alice Caruso. But I, I think they're going to take a big hit in facilitation. Those two guys, Caruso and Lonzo specifically, Lonzo specifically known for his passing, his facilitating, his playmaking, that, that feeds – guys like Damar and Zach Levine who may not be shot creators, but are absolutely shot makers. And so it's hopefully they they've been able to luckily these, you know, these injuries, while they suck, they've happened, they've been on the table for a while now. So hopefully they've, they have a strategy for it, but yeah, I think the bull, the bulls is just going to be all about who they can put out on the floor. If they're able to put out, you know, most of their guys, they're going to be all right. If they're not, they might fall. You never know. Well, um, the Chicago Bulls are the anti, like y'all said, the anti um Raptors there, but um they started out so hot and then yeah, so good for them. They have nothing to be embarrassed about this season, especially even all. if they get, you know what I'm saying, going no. up against the odds that they're going in the playoffs, they should be happy and they should be hyped about next year. That being said, they're gonna get swept out uh quicker than um I don't know. I'm not punny enough today, but like they're gonna <laughs> get swept. 
they're out of there. They're gone. Um, I think they're out of there quicker than the crash game. the board yeah. segment on the end zone podcast. <laughs> yes, yes, that is exactly it. Yes, so uh, no love for them. Let's go to the West. Let's go. Okay, uh, I'm actually gonna say let's take a quick break. 